right. Jack, we have a special episode today. We have mail. Vox Populi. You've got mail. Okay. So this one comes from a gentleman named Mike. I'm going to paraphrase his note. His note's actually very specific about a very program, but I think an appeal to all of our listeners, I'm going to kind of genericize the content, but we're still going to answer his question here. So, um, hi, my name is Mike. Listen to every episode of Pwned. It is by far one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you for that, Mike. So his note, and this, this is the part where I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you speak highly of certain colleges. My current program is not challenging me or giving me the rigor that I like or have had in previous master programs. One of the biggest influences in my life told me, if you're not challenged or learning, then maybe it's time to move on. So the question here, what sets colleges apart from other InfoSec or CyberSec programs? And do you find that these students are prepared for industry certifications? I guess coming back to certifications questions that we've answered. Short of it, loves to learn, wants to be challenged. He's looking to get more out of his education. He's looking for direction on how to choose the best program for him. I think it's a fantastic damn question. Let me take a first swing and then you can correct. Yep. So first swing, I would carefully think through the relationships that the college you're thinking of attending or the program you're thinking of involving yourself with has with real players in the marketplace, right? I know we have the great good fortune of dealing with schools that provide us with excellent candidates, but frankly, they get a lot of value back, those students do, because of the fact we're so tightly integrated, whether it's our teams speaking on the, at the college, us sponsoring events, those individuals taking internships in the real world. So for me, and it's not just about New Harbor, right? If you look at a college, let's say a general technical education, right? I look at a college uh, like Northeastern University in Boston, right? Great grower of engineers. Why? Why did they get so popular? Why are they so successful now? They have a co-op program and have had it since I was a kid, which was when the rocks were still hot. And so they always were highly integrated with the types of companies where these students would want to work. So my first recommendation would be look for the types of partnerships and interaction that the programs that you're looking for have with real world companies. Because the last thing you wanna do is involve yourself in a cybersecurity program that is dominated by folks who only have an academic background and who are going to train you on what the books say cybersecurity should be like, or maybe what cybersecurity was like 10 years ago when they were actually in it. You wanna be somewhere where it's active, there are people responsible for real cybersecurity, and they're constantly thinking about how to make it better. And to me, that is a great close relationship with the private sector. Mm, I like that. I think my off the cuff answer to that would be the commonality that I see with all successful cyber programs is that their graduates get jobs after school. <laughs> yes. The sine qua none of a successful program. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But one of the issues is there's a veneer that exists within our industry that is completely hollow and false and misleading, right? And so I'm going to take two very real examples of two different college programs on the surface look the exact same. So we have one college, these are very real institutions, one college or institution, very well recognized and decorated for cyber, but is not technical in any sense. It's very book orientated, but because of funding and political affiliations, they year over year win awards. And if you look at that institution as a singular case, like you would think it's a sure thing. Conversely, like you have another 
that is not that doesn't win any awards, doesn't have perhaps the, the notoriety of the other one, but the program overall is bigger, has maybe four or five times more students. And with it, believe it or not, they actually have more resources at their disposal. But the difference between these two schools and the biggest proof statement is the number of employers that show up at the career fair to recruit their cybersecurity graduates. In the first scenario, you might have one, you might have two. In the second scenario, you're going to have 10, 15 or more. And most of the students are going to be placed by the end of their sophomore year or junior year. Wow. So I just want to take this point before we lose it. Yep. Right. So for Mike's question, how does he decide? Because you're right. There is this veneer. There's this appearance. You just gave a perfect criteria. Go look at attendees in the job fair or ask admissions for the attendees at the job fair, how many they got. Yep. I would specifically ask that question. So in the course of evaluating your program, perhaps it's an online program, perhaps it's a hybrid or, or in person. There's someone at admissions you can ask the question to, but if you're in a fortunate position to do like a tour of sorts or ask people within the program questions, ask them about their job placement rates, ask them what are the most common institutions that their graduates get placed at, right? As an early indication that some organization within the industry can validate that this program is actually good and meaningful and can further that individual business. So that's one. And then the second one would be, what industry events do you actually participate in? And most importantly is totally asking yourself is saying, now that you know what organizations um, they participate with, ask yourself if that's something that, that you're interested in. And like, just be really honest with you. Because if they say like, hey, we do like national tabletop exercises with like different organizations across the country. Like for me, like that's not my ball of wax. But for other people, like they totally love it. So if that's what you're in for, like, that's great. That might be your program. But if you're into something more like technically oriented, we're saying like, you know, we're competing in these competitions and this is what the team looks like. Maybe that's more in your interest set. So I think it's kind of asking those, those leading questions. That was a really good point. Yet another one, right? So you just gave another question that's sort of it's homework for a student like Michael to do, right? Which is... What kind of cyber person do you want to be? Yeah. Because I could see how the policy simulation person would groove on the tabletop program, right? But the technologist operator practitioner would probably be more excited by and energized by the more technical program. And so I think it's important, like when you say it's not your ball of wax, I think that's exactly the right way to say it. You're not diminishing the value of that program. What you're saying is it's not the program you'd want to be in. Yeah. And I think that's spot on. And the thing that I think people need to realize is that in the course of marketing and evangelizing programs or certification programs or apprenticeship programs, if they're more managerially oriented, it's topics that business leaders can get their head around and articulate a little bit easier than perhaps a technical program would be. Because oftentimes like people in leadership positions, people with marketing dollars don't always understand it and don't understand how to sell it to the marketplace. So this is just my opinion. The more technically oriented programs don't get marketed the same way as the more like the management programs. But the way to differentiate between the two is if you can see where students are being placed, what institutions they go to work for. And if those are organizations that you would want to work at, that might be an indication that it's the right program for you. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really important point, right? Because managing cybersecurity is not like managing business. 
And for me, the reason for that is that there's so much nuanced underpinnings in technology for how cybersecurity not only is delivered, but how it changes and how the threats change that you really have to focus at least part of your program time, college, online, uh, whatever it is, on understanding the underpinning technologies in order to make you an effective manager of that risk over the course of time because you'll be in a much better position to understand and prioritize the impact of the kinds of things that either you want to do or the kind of things that you want to see. Justin, I want to just bounce something by you that just struck me as you were talking. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I love when these things happen, right? You just start talking. I start having these ideas. And you were talking about placement rates, right? And you were talking about the types of the folks who are doing the recruiting, where they show up. I'm like, all right, where do people do that now? Oh, LinkedIn. I was wondering... What do you think about a recommendation that Mike and folks like Mike take a look at individuals who are roughly contemporaneous? I'm going to say 10 years graduated and earlier and later, rather, meaning like nobody like me, because there was no cybersecurity program when I grew up. Right. I don't think it was much of that in the industry when you grew up. And so it's the younger folks who has the kind of job you want to have. Right. So do a little search by position, title, et cetera. And then look at where they graduated from, mm. right? And just do some basic spreadsheet math, right? Just to throw them in there and say, all right, I looked at 100. It's a sample size statistically significant for my individual effort, right? So I take a look at it. Yay! And I have it. You can even, you know, further you could reach out to some of these folks and ask them what they thought about the program. Was it one of the reasons they feel they got the job that you would like to have in the future? And maybe use LinkedIn as a resource to give you both the stats and some of the detailed contact information so you can learn more about the program before you make the big jump and where you're not just asking people who are incented to tell you that it's great, that it's great. I like it. I, th I think that'd be a great exercise is saying if you really truly are interested in trying to find the right program for you. And to Mike's question was, I think a disparate of it is you want to be challenged. You want to feel like you're learning, but more importantly, like you want to get to the destination that you want to get at. Like, I think that makes a ton of sense. Just find the individuals who are at a position or a place where you aspire to be and figure out if there's commonalities in the path. It makes a ton of sense, Jack. And if you look back, uh, one of our earlier episodes that we did around um, bruise and breaches, right? That networking is such an important component of being successful in our industry, right? I would not even know you. I would not be doing the work I'm doing now had it not been for taking the time to you know, enjoy the network of security professionals that I have, right? So another good benefit of this is even as you're doing this solicitation, Michael, you know, you can actually stop and think about it as a way in which you're beginning to have an excuse to grow your network of people who are like-minded, who are in a similar industry, who are maybe a couple of years ahead of you along a similar career trajectory. And that's absolutely the best kind of network to form. Yeah. That's a good one. So let's recap it here. So you started with program in inspection, wh whatever program you're interested in, whether that's a two-year program, four-year program, certification program. Right. Relationship with the real world industry people. Yep. So that's one. Two was looking at job placement, maybe perhaps the employer relationships that institution or that organization has relationships with, and also where students are subsequently being placed from a career trajectory standpoint. And then the third one being business networking. So find someone within your industry. I guess there's a couple of points to it. Find someone in your industry just for the sole purposes of networking and like starting to build out your relationships. And then the other part of that is 
figure out their path, where they went to school and what institutions set that individual up for success and try to recreate that or follow in their steps. Right on it. And treat it like a process, right? Because it could be really easy. A lot of us aren't so comfortable reaching out to people that we don't know, right? It can be an uncomfortable process, but frankly, security can be an uncomfortable process. So set yourself up with a goal. I'm going to find 50 people or 100 people with a job similar or the same as the job I want to take, right? I'm going to go identify them on LinkedIn. This is easy. I'm going to figure out who they are. And, you know, maybe you get a 30%, 40%, 50% hit rate when you try to connect to them, you know, and you start learning those lessons. But set it up like a project, right? You're learning about them. Think of it as a social engineering project, but you're learning about them. You're you're gathering the information. They're helping you better understand. And you actually have at least a substantial enough base of data to say, all right, 30% of the people who have jobs like me, you know, went to programs like this. It doesn't have to be the same school or the same online program, but... Programs like this that had these components and it looks like they're being pretty successful and reach out to them and build up your network. But don't just go the onesie twosie route. Yeah, I like the project idea aspect to it. And so let's just say you start small, right? And say you can make a commitment to say, let's go on LinkedIn, connect with one person every day. Perfect. Right, like that is super easy to do. Like you can do that even before your cup of coffee is ready in the morning. Like that is super easy to do. Find someone new and different to connect with every day, just one person. If you do that every single day, and let's just say half of them, except you've now got a network of, what is it? 182, 183 people. Right. And come up with a message that works. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm really interested in cybersecurity. I'm trying to figure out which program would be best for me. Would you mind connecting with me and sharing your experience? Who in their right mind doesn't say yes to that energetic, you know, sort of correctly inspired person asking the question. Everybody does. Yeah. And here's the thing, like if you approach it from the standpoint of asking for help, asking for some direction, like that's a total layup. Like people would help you all day long. I'll tell you what, the people that reach out to me and actually ask me for help, I'm like, yeah, the fact you've taken a couple minutes to write this to me, like I will absolutely help. So the best I can, like, I don't really know much, but I'll do my best, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm willing to help. And I think that's kind of like one of the personality characteristics of people in our field is saying they're willing to help, but that starts with you asking first. Right on. As opposed to the message, it says, oh, Justin, I saw your history with New Harbor and I am so impressed. Would Uh, you be willing to connect with me? Because you know that the message after you connect is... And I'm selling XYZ tech <laughs> and you desperately need it because you're so successful, but you'd be even more successful with XYZ tech's offer, right? Yeah. No, the one that comes from a position of honesty and authenticity and looking for help, uh, sign up every day. <laughs> Jack, I think, I think the same person hit both of us up today. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. There's a, there's a big difference there for sure. Right on. So, Mike, I hope this has been helpful. You've got some very specific recommendations. And what we'll do is, with Holly's excellent help, uh, we'll stick these recommendations, just like three bullet lines, in the show notes or four bullet lines in the show notes. So anybody else who's a listener who cares, we'll see him as well. And uh, as with all of our mailbag listeners, we'll be happy to get back to you personally, Mike, and show you what's been going on. Sweet. I love it. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you to Mike for sending in this question. If you are someone who has other questions for a mailbag, you can send them at poem to newharborsecurity.com. Also, if you have questions for mergers and acquisitions, perhaps content that's good for our white swipes episode, or you have interesting breaches you'd like us to talk about in breach of the week, 
Or also, if you just have questions about cybersecurity technology, you know how to find us. It's pwned at newharvestsecurity.com. Send us in your questions and we'd be more than happy to cover them on the air here. And for everybody else, we'll catch you on the next one.